Hello and welcome to the Scan Sparks podcast. My name is Sakai Machachi and I'm joined today by Jess Bruff. Jess Bruff is a writer, producer and psycholinguistic PhD student at the University of Edinburgh. Jess is the founder of Fringe of Colour, an Edinburgh-based multi-award winning arts initiative for black people and people of colour, with his first online arts festival, Fringe of Colour Films, taking place throughout August 2020 at fringeofcolour.co.uk. The next Fringe of Colour films will be taking place this August and will be available on the same platform. Jess is joining me today to discuss their journey in leading and sustaining a grassroots project within the arts sector in Scotland. Hi Jess, thanks for agreeing to have this chat with me today. How are you doing? Hey Sakai, hey I'm good thank you, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, So let's jump into it today. Um, What prompted you to launch your uh, project Fringe of Colour? Well I mean the original, the the way that Fringe of Colour was at the beginning was just simply a online database, uh, a google spreadsheet of acts at the Edinburgh Fringe um, that were by black artists and artists of colour. So just compiling a list of as many of those performances as I could find going on in the city in that August period. Um, And I guess I started that because of how difficult it was just to find those those people, those performances, just by looking through the programme or walking around and looking at the shows that were being advertised on the the big the big boards around the city um but then moving forward for three years to fringe of color films um the whole reason why we started that was because we were plunged into this global pandemic that saw all these live venues and these festivals and these theaters getting shut down um for public health reasons but then witnessing that the move to the sort of online sphere or the the filmed performance sort of area um by big theaters like the national theater and um other other large and and well-known and successful venues they tended to be um putting on shows that they considered to be safe or they considered to be widely popular. And those shows were often um, involved uh, white actors, white writers, directors, 
um, we weren't seeing a lot of opportunities coming out for those same people that had been celebrated on the fringe of color spreadsheet. Um, and it became quite clear that that was going to keep happening. Um, there's this idea that when you're thinking about how to save a venue, you want to put on what the quote unquote um, most popular or general, generally enjoyable um, to the wider population uh, performances there are. And that's things like Shakespeare and classical um, plays. But yeah, um, those tend to be um, shows that, that mainly involve white creators. And that meant that a lot of, a lot of black artists, a lot of artists of color were getting left behind come April, May of last year and so on. So we wanted to do something that was kind of for the networks that we had been building throughout the Fringe of Color sort of journey, um, providing a platform for people who had lost all those opportunities to perform in the summer um, and may not be getting those same opportunities that other artists are getting from those larger venues to perform and you know to be commissioned and to make work and to be paid for that work. So we had a little bit of money from a fundraiser in February 2020, and that was kind of our starting point. Um, and from that, we just continued to sort of raise money. And yeah, we ended up with this month long online arts festival, 51 different films, lots and lots of different artists and writers and creatives involved we had. Um, we launched a writing platform um, to go along with those performances. So it just turned into this, this whole thing that we could not have predicted us doing in 2019. But um, yeah, I'm just really glad that it, that it happened because we've, I think we're quite proud of, of what happened, really. Of course, you should be. A very um, important resource. You obviously saw that there was there was a huge gap, massive gap, um, and the um, black people and other people of color were not being served by fringe, the fringe in general as it um, normally operates. And then of course, during the pandemic, like, it, you know, the situation became even more dire, but then you created a solution for that and created a space where people could really um, exist and have their work um, celebrated and seen. So, um, Congratulations on Fringe of oh, Color. Thanks. <laughs> it was a really great project and um, I enjoyed it last year as well. Um, so I'm going to ask a, a couple of questions just around, you know, Fringe of Color and how it kind of came to be um, in the levels of support and how you have been kind of, um, what challenges have been uh, there for you in growing it, but also um, the successes. And it was great that you laid out quite a lot of that um, already in your uh, first answer. So um, what guidance or support, if any, did you receive? And did you receive any support from institutions or organizations at all? I think the main support in terms of actually setting it up came from other artists who were kind enough and generous enough to speak to me. I had questions about things like fair pay for artists during the commissioning process and screening fees um, and 
how to raise that money for to, to cover the costs of the festival. I spoke to people like Esme Ullman, who ended up having a film at the festival, Campbell X, who has this wealth of knowledge about film festivals, um, being a, a writer and director himself. Um, Selena Thompson was able to give me some guidance on um, setting up a, a platform like this and who to reach out to for support and that connected me with Eclipse, which is a, a, an amazing um, organization, Black-led organization um, for theatre specifically. And yeah, that, that kind of gave me the, I guess the encouragement that people were interested in this platform happening but also that they would be supportive of it when it if we did do it if it did happen um selena also donated money towards the project um as part of um her company and as did lots of other people which was which was really lovely we had our always have support from the lighthouse bookshop in edinburgh um in the times before COVID, that support looks like an actual physical space that we set up called the Fringe of Colour Living Room for um, Black people and, and people of colour to sit in and talk about shows in away from the noise of the fringe and, and the noise of whiteness outside. Um, but yeah, in terms of institutions, I think because everything moved so quickly, there wasn't time for us to necessarily connect meaningfully with any wider institutions. And I'm not, I'm not sure that we wanted to at that time either, because those were the institutions that, you know, we felt like distancing from institutions is something that Fringe of Colour was always trying to do, distancing itself from, um, you know, that very first program of the Fringe, making our own sort of program. Um, I guess in a way we were part of the festival on the side, but very much doing our own thing with the resources that we had and without relying on um, the institution itself. And I guess that idea was carried on with this festival. Um, but we did get into contact with um, Film Hub Scotland, who told us about their pitch pots fund for, at the time it was a thousand pounds for people to do like their own sort of home online cinemas and that helped us um, with some of the costs of things like captioning of our films and that was really useful and they have a lot of resources for people sort of organizing film festivals and um, yeah there were there were a couple um, but at the time at the time it was mainly just my personal relationships with artists and performers who really helped people like um, Nish Kumar, for example, the comedian who helped spread the word and um, ended up doing a, a film with us for the festival and got other people involved um, that made that film really exciting. So sort of word of mouth, um, making sure that we were asking the artists in our lives um, what they needed and what they kind of wanted from the festival. So that's what we're hoping to continue doing this year, like getting much more input from actual artists. Um, I mean, that's what we're already sort of, that's already starting to do in terms of how the team has evolved, which is really lovely. Um, institutions can be useful in terms of resources and funding, but I think the most useful 
thing is actually speaking to the people who you're making the work for or making the platform for it to help you sort of guide where it goes that's how I feel of course um and I was going to ask about peer support but it sounds like it's been one of the major um things that's been supporting you through this like it's having other people that you can bounce ideas off of and work with um do you want to speak a little bit to that and to collaboration maybe um as a part of your process yeah massively peer support was huge a huge part I mean just those few phone calls that I had with people or those texts and email chains of because I hadn't I'd never commissioned anybody to do anything before you know not even like commissioned somebody to take a picture of me right <laughs> so I had a lot I had a lot to learn in April me and Hannah, Hannah McGurk who was um, uh, assistant director of the project last year we had a lot to learn from everything to do with um, commissioning someone to uh, jazz up our logo and fair pay for that and um, everything to do with everything to do with pay was new uh, freelancer contracts all of that stuff a friend of mine who's studying law helped us with our contracts which was really lovely um, very useful to have friends who are studying law <laughs> um, and with collaborations a lot of the work at the festival was sort of collaboration based and we we collaborated with a couple of um comedy groups so one one was called pinata and, and another called objectively funny and they um co-commissioned some work with us uh for the festival which was which was brilliant we had legal legal regal and uh um <laughs> cooking with Rhonda from that but yeah, and those, those were organizations that I'd heard of through the Fringe as well, and through people I had met from Fringe of Color who were associated with those groups as well. So it kind of all come, came back to the sort of summers that, we that we'd had before and the people that we met in Edinburgh, um, which was lovely because then it really did feel like it was some Edinburgh-based thing. That's great. And um, what were the biggest challenges in starting up for you? Uh, I, I think just figuring out how we would possibly do it. I mean, we were talking, we're talking like April of last year, which was peak pandemic, peak protest period, like conversations around um, anti-blackness and white supremacy and murder and death and, and the effect of, of racism on your mental health and your physical safety, in addition to your health and your physical safety during a, a, a time of a deadly virus spreading around the world was just, uh, it was really, really difficult to navigate. And I think in a way, organizing the festival was a distraction from that. It, while it's it's something that came from all of those things, it came from the frustration of um, you know all this lost work because of venues being shut down and the frustration of whiteness and white supremacy. Focusing on a project like this that was quite intense at least helped me take my mind off it sometimes. But there were those moments where you know you can't take your mind off that stuff because it's very it's every day and it's real and it's in front of your face. So. 
yeah, just the 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 environment of last year and and of this continuing doing anything in the art sector. I'm I'm sure you can uh, relate to this, but if you're black doing anything in the art sector, especially somewhere with such a big white majority as Scotland that has not yet figured out how to meaningfully work with black artists um, across the board is always is always draining. Um, because even if it's going well, you're there's something in the back of your mind saying, why do I have to like, why do I have to do this? Why is this not already something that exists? Why are these artists not already being supported? Why aren't they being commissioned to make this work? Who, who am I to be doing this? Like I'm a PhD student studying psycholinguistics. It should not be, um, it should not fall on a, my shoulders or someone like me's shoulders to do something like this. And that kind of internal monologue can be quite disruptive because obviously equally, you know, I'm doing this work or we're doing this work because we love it and we want to do it. It's not like a, it's not a burden, but it is difficult to sustain yourself through that. I think when you are aware that you're doing it because it hasn't already been done or it's not being done right in these bigger institutions in this specific location. So, um, yeah, the mo motivation can be difficult in those periods of sort of existential crisis. <laughs> um, but I think like things like actually navigating the, the mechanics of the festival were more interesting and fun than difficult. I was working with Hannah, I was getting advice from, from friends and we really had like a blank slate to play with. So, and, and it was, it, as well as making sure that, you know, sort of safeguarding was in place, we had a lot of room to breathe because we were just answering to ourselves. Um, but it was a very short period of time that we had to put this together. I think that was probably one of the biggest difficulties, sort of the long working days and nights, putting everything together, relying on sort of other moving parts to come together at the right time, um, getting ready for the launch, trying to juggle so many things, so many things, commissioning new work, accepting submissions, watching the films that are coming in as part of that submissions process, building a brand new website, fundraising to make sure that I didn't have to pay for it out of my own pocket, um, constantly checking the Excel spreadsheets to see if we were reaching our targets for things. Um, so many emails. There's, there's probably 30 different people I didn't reply to on Gmail last summer who I never will because I've deleted all of those emails. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there was, it was a, we had a very, very small team last year considering what we did. And this year the team is bigger. We've started earlier and we kind of know a bit more about what we're doing. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it should be less, less difficult to navigate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've like literally led me right into like the next thing I was going to talk about, which is you have this bigger team now. You're coming into the second year of Fringe of Colour Films. Um, so what would you say are sort of like biggest challenges in sustaining the project into like, you know, obviously into the next year, but just thinking about how you sustain it into the future? And what have uh, been your biggest successes so far? Because obviously it's been 
a lot of work, but it's also been really amazing to watch the project develop over time. Yeah, okay, well, in terms of successes, I mean, what I really love seeing is, you can see this specifically on something like social media, the artists who didn't know about each other before, now like following each other on things like Twitter and Instagram and like commenting on each other's videos or posts, that kind of thing. Like, I feel like we did create to some extent uh, a, a community of artists, a network of artists who have then gone on to support each other. Um, I know a few people who made work have for us as part of the commission process. Um, and also uh, the films that they made specifically to show at the festival have gone on to show those films elsewhere or use those films as examples of those work of their work to get more opportunities, which is exactly what we wanted to do. It's not just about the profile of Fringe of Colour films, it's about helping artists make their work so that they can keep making more work. Um, so that has been really lovely. And, and what was the first thing you asked? I went backwards for some reason. <laughs> okay. No, I, obviously I, we were talking about challenges before, so I was wanting to just follow into that, like the challenges of sustaining a project. So you've started oh, yeah. and you're in the sustaining process now. So sustaining it, I think it's going to be interesting to see where like, where online arts festivals have a place once people start going back into the real world. Um, people like being at real festivals, you know? I like being in a real theatre. I like sitting in a real chair next to my real friends. Um, but there are such big benefits of online festivals as well that I don't think the general population appreciated until they were forced to lean into them. I mean, online festivals have been going on for ages, right? But how many of them were, was I attending before COVID? Not, not a lot. <laughs> so, you know, the question is where does Fringe of Colour films exist once the, once um, real in-person festivals are happening again? Uh, that's a question that we, I don't think we will know until after this year when we get feedback from our audiences and from our artists and we see maybe the impact of being able to connect sort of globally with different people, um, being able to provide services that make the festival more accessible to, for example, our, our deaf audiences or our um, blind audiences so there will be a lot of um a lot of introspection about where we belong after after sort of covid after people are vaccinated and it's sort of safe to be out in the world again um but i i think what's really nice about this year is that we've got a big focus on um development like art individual artistic and creative development. So something that our various team members are really good at is things like workshops and mentorship and, and just sort of generally sort of teaching certain skills and giving advice to maybe people who are in a similar career or a similar area of the arts, but um, don't maybe have as much experience or have never been given that experience. And so we're offering quite a lot of um, quite a few learning opportunities to people who are involved in the festival this year, which will be really nice 
And I think that kind of work will always be relevant because there will always be people who need advice or guidance on how to do things like writing pitches to uh, journals and magazines and websites or filmmakers who will who need some advice on how to improve their skills or playwrights who are curious about how to transition into um, film or like the digital space. Um, so that should be really exciting. Um, I'm excited for people to kind of learn more about that area of the festival this year. Amazing. And uh, so we're gonna um, just go back a little bit again, which is thinking about if you were speaking to someone who was looking to start up something similar, right? Or who was inspired by your work, what would you tell them or warn them of? Hmm. Um, I would tell them to go ahead and do it because there's, there's enough room for everybody. <laughs> there's, um, yeah, like a, a platform like ours can't cater to every single artist or every single audience. So the more platforms there are, the better. Uh, I would, it's hard for me to give advice about things like fundraising because I think I'm really bad at it. I think I'm really bad at grant applications. And I just have always relied on um, things working out in the end. So maybe like having a better strategy <laughs> for funding, funding applications. I mean, fortunately this year, we've got a new creative director, um, Brianna, who is uh, just like amazing at all the things. And she's really helped steer us in a, in a sustainable direction. So I think, my best piece of advice is accepting that you can't do everything on your own and nor should you because there are people out there who are really good at things that you don't know how to do or you're not great at or maybe you don't like doing or you don't have time to do and they actually like doing those things or that's their experience so bring in as many people as you can to work on the project with you um it will take a lot of pressure off you and it will just make the project better as much as I I struggled last year with asking a lot of people to to help because I knew we had limited funds and I didn't want to uh, ask people to work for free I didn't want to underpay anybody and that meant that I put a lot of that work on myself but then I didn't pay myself you know this inappropriate amount uh, or anything so <laughs> um, and if you're not doing something that's sustainable for you or good practice for you then that might mean that you're not setting it up to be uh, a, a good working environment for anybody else so really think about including yourself as a meaningful paid participant in any of the work that you're doing um, it sounds so basic but yeah like pay yourself um, and don't put too much work on your shoulders like bring as many people as you can in to, to do that work um, also, like, if you are creating something that is inspired by another platform, shout that platform out. Like, citation is key. I know I'm in research, so citation is a big thing for me. But it does not cost you anything to signpost to another really cool platform that you like and were inspired by. So if you're doing something that you think works really well for the event or the organization or the platform that you're setting up, 
because you've seen it work somewhere else, you can just say, you know, we based on um, how amazing this thing was at this other home, um, we decided to do this. And that's really, it, that's really nice. And I don't think enough people do that. Um, people would like to pretend that they are the first to do things or that maybe it's cringe to do that. I don't know, but yeah, I think if you, if you can remember where you got an idea from, um, shout, shout about them. Definitely, that's a really good advice. And I really like the pay yourself part. That's like, <laughs> remember yourself in all of this. Um, because yeah, it can be, especially when you're starting up something that's um, that's new and that's like, community-based and like really on that like grassroots level trying to create something new you do kind of like end up feeling like well I, I'm okay I'll be okay but then you know the toll of that takes on you after a while it's, it can be quite major so I was gonna ask around um what um in terms of funding because you you did touch on funding a little bit and you're talking about um, how that's been a struggle for you um, or something that you're, you know, um, you weren't that confident in. But in terms of funding, did you feel that there was a specific funding body that you could apply to? And did you feel that they were approachable? So the, the only funding institution that we applied to and were successful with last year was Film Hub Scotland. And that was for the the thousand pound pitch pot fund. Um, and yeah, I felt like we were a suitable for that. I, I think I had to check in with the folks there um, to be sure because we weren't, we're not, an, we're not a film festival, we're an online arts festival, but we are showing film. And so we need help. We need financial support to provide things like captions and subtitles and whatnot. And that's what that fund is uh, um, partially um, good for and specific for so that was great um, at the time there was also a fund that came out I think around May or June called the resourcing racial justice fund um, and that's a coalition of uh, people of color who I think bring together all these different funding pots from I don't know philanthropists or organizations with money and um, they raise all this money together and then they distributed it to a variety of um, collectives or groups or individuals who are doing um, work around, yeah, racial justice. And um, um, yeah, and they, they were really helpful in terms of um, showing, uh, we're giving a workshop on how to apply, what kind of projects you could apply for, you could apply with for the fund. Um, and I remember, I remember applying in, in summer and thinking, oh, I don't want to ask for, I don't want to ask for too much money for this project because I'm sure there's loads of other racial justice groups that need this money, you know, more than I do kind of thing. And, um, and I think I, I've had that perspective quite a lot and you end up just not applying for what you need to. And I, I, I kind of semi regret 
the amount that I apply for. We did get the funding and it's amazing and it's going to help a lot with what we need, but it's not going to cover the cost of the festival. Uh, and that is for this this coming year. It's not from last year, uh, although I applied last year. Um, so I, I guess it's like an additional piece of advice, like maybe be as ambitious as you can be with applying for funds. Like you don't want to get to a point where you, you're you wish that you'd have applied for what you actually needed rather than like a little bit because you thought maybe somebody else needed it more than you. Like if you're applying, it means that you need it. So, but that was a really interesting process. Um, I really liked working. I really have liked working with them. Um, they've been running a bunch of workshops that uh, some of our team members have been able to attend um, to do with setting up collectives and groups and um things to do with safeguarding or um, becoming an incorporated uh, organization and all of these things that you know you don't learn at school um, so yeah that's been that's been really interesting um, there are a few other places that we're looking to ask for funding from but I, I won't be able to tell you if those are successful for a while <laughs> so we will see keep your fingers crossed for us of course definitely um and yeah, what apart from money do you feel was necessary to um, get this project off the ground? So obviously you've kind of talked a lot about all of the different ways that you've been supported through the process and like the, you know, but I'm just thinking about it as in like, if we're going to put the funding aside for a second, what do you think has been the most important thing that you've received? I think probably people talking about it and like spreading the word about it because there's no point in running a festival if people don't know that it is going on um the whole point of that is to showcase all these amazing people's work so we were lucky in that we had like some people from the fringe of color spreadsheet days who knew about our work who were interested and could help spread the word but i think what we want to do this year is really grow that and make sure that as many people as possible are excited about what's happening in August and are interested in the work that's going up, that they would want to talk about it um, and they will want to help us promote it basically and, and, and lead people to the platform. I think one thing that was really useful last year um, and also just generally a great part of the festival was our responses um, project, the responses element of the festival, and, and that was black writers and um, writers of color who felt like they identified maybe with some of the films or they just were generally interested in them. They wrote essays um, about those films and that's kind of, yeah, close to an essay than a review. We were trying to move away from this sort of numerical um, five-star system of talking about art to actually connect it more to the to the personal um, response and by bringing in art writers to an online arts festival as well you're that's a whole other group of people that you're connecting with that's a whole other way of connecting with the work um, I think it made things a bit deeper and yeah it, it brought in it brought in more audiences I think I hope <laughs> But yeah, we, we really rely on people spreading the word themselves uh, and telling their friends and telling their families and 
um, bless my mum and my dad, <laughs> sending the link to, to all the people they know. Uh, get it in the WhatsApp group chat, like tell your aunties. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful to everybody who sort of told somebody to, to check out the festival. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, the final question, if you were speaking to an institution today and everything you've learned, um, what would you say would have been important areas of support that you feel were missing? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think there's, there were a lot of institutions who on social media were very good at sharing our posts and helping us promote. A bunch of cinemas followed me on Twitter, <laughs> which, was, which was really nice. But there were a few key ones that I was expecting in Scotland in particular to, um, to join that kind of chorus of, of, of sharing and talking about things who didn't. And there were a few organizations outside of Scotland um, who I thought, you know, this festival is right up their street. Like maybe they'll write an article about it or maybe they'll talk to us about it who didn't um, respond to kind of our, us reaching out to them. And that was difficult, I think, um, because we did have to do a lot of that kind of promotion on our on our own um so i i guess like it would be really great or it'd be really useful if people stopped sort of seeing arts festivals as a competitive space and more of like it's just great that you also exist and also i guess that it's difficult like in in this capitalist world when you're everything is monetized and you know you want your audience to come to you like you don't want to spread your audience then that's kind of the perspective but our festival wasn't very expensive um I don't think anybody signing up to Fringe of Colour Films was therefore not going to sign up to something else you know yeah. so yeah I, I think we can all just sort of um shout about the the smaller platforms that need more support that don't have like 30,000 followers on Twitter um, to get the word out. Just continue telling people about those platforms if you are in, in those positions of um, just being more widely recognizable. Um, yeah, that would be that would be really nice, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> some some organizations were great and were sharing our things and um, doing podcasts with us and um, interviews and, and, and everything. And, and I'm, yeah, really grateful to those people. Um, there were just a couple that I was like, mm. <laughs> would, would be nice to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, honestly, this has been such a lovely talk and I've really enjoyed kind of learning about like, how you've kind of developed the project from the beginning and how it's how it's growing as well. I'm really excited to be speaking to Brianna Ficado like very soon um, to discuss, um, you know, how coming into Fringe of Colour and like, you know, what it is that, um, that they want to bring to the project. So I'm really excited to have that chat soon. So it's just been really amazing to have you, honestly, Jess. And um, if there's anything else that you want to sort of say, like to sort of cap off, 
like uh, the conversation, then uh, feel free. And any promotion that you want to do for Fringe of Colour or any other projects, this is your your opportunity. <laughs> Honestly, just that it was so fun having um, the film that you were in PR for us last year. It was such a <laughs> such a fun you did such a good job. <laughs> Such a good job. Cece and Matthew were a wonderful, wonderful creators. And uh, it was lovely to, to get to involve Yon Afro in the platform, um, you know, across the that film and across our This Shit's For Us um, series with um, Basola. So yeah, just, it's yeah, great to be chatting with you, knowing that you were part of it last year. And I hopefully we'll get to see more of you at the festival this August. <laughs> Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I, I'm not like I'm literally like moved into uh, Edinburgh in August 2020 and there was like no fringe. Nah. <laughs> so Fringe of Colour definitely like helps me deal with that. Like I was like, I'm just going to watch the films online. Yeah. <laughs> so um, thanks, thanks again for joining me today and uh, for all your insights. Um, they're going to be really amazing um, when I'm thinking about how to build ScanSparks, um, you know, as a funding project, it's going to be it's going to be really great to like listen to your words and think about like what it is that people need when they're doing these sorts of projects. So thanks again. Yeah, no worries. Well, good luck with the good luck with the research and with the the scan work. And let me know if you need anything else from me. <laughs>